welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is chris tanner from new direction trust company welcome chris welcome rama how are you Yeah, good. Thank you. A little bit about Chris. Chris currently business development manager at New Direction Trust Company. He has personally used self-directed retirement account since 2006. He has personally invested in long-term rentals, mortgage backed notes, tax liens, apartment syndications and private equity using both a solo 401k and self-directed Roth IRA. He has worked with thousands of self-directed IRA clients over the past 7 plus years to assist them with setting up the correct self-directed account and helping them complete investments correctly so they do not encounter issues with the IRS. With that Chris, would you like to add anything to your background? You know, I think the biggest thing is um although I work for a custodian, I was using self-directed IRAs, you know, 14 years ago, well before I joined the custodian. So I've actually been in the trenches and been making the investments that I think a lot of your creative wealth through passive apartment investing listeners are going to be doing. And so I've actually done the investments, but then I also help folks. It's important to understand and I think helpful to find somebody that has personal experience as well cuz I've been on both sides of the fence when it comes to these types of investments. Sure, thanks for sharing that. So what is the difference between solo 401k and self-directed Roth IRA, Chris? Sure. And well, you jumped right in, Rama, so that's a great question, and especially when we're talking about apartment investing. So I'm going to start kind of basic. And first thing I would say is that a self-directed IRA the word IRA I stands for individual and anybody who has a social security number can open up an IRA account so one of the differences between an IRA and a solo 401k is that a 401k is a corporate retirement plan so there does need to be a business entity in order to be eligible for a 401k so i think that's important for your listeners to know anyone with a social security number can open an IRA Uh, but they do need a business entity like an LLC they could even be a sole proprietor in order to even have a solo 401k i think your question rama that's a little more in depth is why would somebody consider a solo 401k versus a self-directed ira is that a fair question yeah and i'm going to focus on apartment investing because there could be a significant difference and i'm assuming rama with your investments that most of the time there's going to be debt involved you're going to be using a mortgage to buy the apartment would that be fair okay so one of the key things or one of the key differences between the solo 401k and the self-directed ira has to do with a tax and this tax is known as ubit u b i t which stands for unrelated business income tax. And what's interesting is that IRAs, even though you're in a tax deferred or tax-free retirement account, they might actually be subject to this tax because there's a mortgage involved in the investment. What's interesting is that a solo 401k is exempt from UBIT. And so if we had two retirement plan investors one using a solo 401k and another one using the self-directed IRA the person with the 401k does not need to worry about the UBIT tax whereas the person using the self-directed IRA would at least need to be aware of it 
to make sure that if they do owe the tax, they report that through a filing with the IRS. So that's a key difference between the two. And I think that's a good starting point, but I think that gives you a good feel for kind of the key differences between those two. Sure. So what kind of taxes like passive investors need to pay during holding period or after selling the property? So when we're talking about a retirement plan and we're talking about taxes, it really depends on, again, what type of retirement plan person is using. If they're using an IRA, it all has to do with profits. So if there are regular ongoing profits. So at the end of the year, there's a profit after all expenses and things of that nature are taken out, then they would owe the UBIT tax. But then the other time, and especially with apartment investing, where we do see uh, this tax creep up is when somebody sells an apartment and there's been a significant gain, you know, there's been a capital gain. The IRA individual would be subject to capital gains. And so they would actually be subject to a tax, even though they're using a retirement plan. On the 401k side, it's pretty simple. Uh, they're not subject to tax, the UBIT tax. It doesn't matter if it's ongoing income that's going on throughout the years, or even after the property, the apartment's being sold, even if there's a big gain there, that all those profits go back to the 401k and they're either tax deferred, so they might be taxed later when somebody decides to take the money out, or if it's a Roth 401k, there are no taxes. Cool, cool. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. So, and why one need to invest using self-directed IRS, right? You know, it's an excellent question. And so I think the number one reason people come to New Direction Trust and probably a reason, Rama, they're coming to you and even looking at apartment investing is that basically roughly 97% of all retirement funds are invested in the same thing. They're invested in publicly traded securities. So they're invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, but they're all essentially the same thing. They're publicly traded securities. So the number one reason people are interested in self-directed IRAs or solo 401ks is that it allows them to invest in things they could, could not normally invest in using their retirement funds. And I think people want greater uh, diversity in a different type of diversity as opposed to just being tied to the stock market. So I think that's the number one reason is that there are some excellent investment opportunities that they simply could not invest in with their traditional type retirement plan. That's what the self-directed IRA allows somebody to do. They want to invest uh, with you maybe in an, uh, an apartment investment. They can actually do that with the retirement funds. Cool. And what type of investments are allowed with self-directed IRAs? It's almost easier to talk about what kind of investments are not allowed. And there are only a couple of things that are not allowed, but I will talk about the more common things that we see. So a couple of things that you cannot invest in are collectibles. So a collectible could be like a wine collection, uh, maybe a stamp collection or a, an old classic car, things like that. And you cannot invest in life insurance. Those are the only two things that are restricted by the IRS. So Rama, you can imagine all everything else, there's a possibility you could invest in. But the most common things we see people invest in, uh, number one is real estate. And, and that's obviously why we're talking here today, because you're teaching folks how to create passive wealth through apartment investing. So we see quite a bit of apartment investing. We also see people buying uh, single family homes and using those as rentals or Airbnbs. Uh, you can be a private money lender, meaning you can actually lend your money 
to somebody else and you're essentially being the bank. Uh, it could be a real estate deal. It could also be a, a loan to a business. Uh, we do see people invest quite often in precious metals. And we've seen quite a spike recently, especially uh, when March hit. And we saw that big dip in the stock market. And now that COVID is kind of drug on, uh, we've seen quite a few people investing in gold and silver and, you know, diversifying in other ways. And when I say investing in precious metals, they're buying the physical precious metals. Uh, they're not doing like an exchange traded fund or a gold index. They're actually buying the actual physical metals. But those are the real common types of investments that we see. Cool. Yeah. And that's a good point. So what is the process of using self-directed IRS, Chris? Yeah, that's a great question, Rama. And I always describe using a self-directed retirement plan as three steps. The first step, of course, is that you need to create the account. Uh, that's usually very easy. Pretty much every custodian now, you can open your account online takes five, 10 minutes. Uh, most of the time, those accounts are opened within 24 hours. It's a very quick process. So once the account has been created, step two is, is we got to get money into the account. And most people will move money from an existing retirement plan. So they may already have an IRA somewhere, or we oftentimes see people have a 401k, uh, maybe with a previous employer. And what you're able to do is you're able to take the money that's in that retirement plan and move it over into a self-directed IRA. And when you do that, there are no tax penalties or consequences. You have the ability to move that money as you see fit. And then uh, Rama, once the money's there, of course, the final step is to go ahead and make your investment. And that's pretty much it. Open the account, uh, fund the account. Let's get money moved in there and then go ahead and make the investment. Cool. And how to find a great self-directed IRA custodian, Chris? I think that's a great question. And in my opinion, there are two things that are really important. I think the most important thing is to find somebody who offers good customer service. And let me tell you my concept or my idea of good customer service. Sure, sure. One thing is that if you pick up the phone and you call, uh, you should be able to connect with a human being. Uh, most of the times when people are investing, uh, there are time, there are deadlines and people are trying to invest quickly because, you know, if it's a piece of real estate, there's a closing, there's a set deadline. We can't mess things up, so to speak. I think that customer service, being able to get a hold of a human is key. I think finding some a custodian who has people that are knowledgeable, that really understand how these investments work is extremely helpful. I know I can speak for myself because I've done these investments. It's very helpful having done the investments to understand what the client is experiencing. And, you know, when you're doing this for the first time, it's there's something you don't know and things you need to learn. And so it's helpful to have someone there to help guide you. And I think, of course, the other thing, uh, Rama, is uh, you always look at cost. Uh, different custodians charge different amounts. Now, you got to be careful with that uh, because sometimes you get what you pay for. And sometimes the least expensive comes with the, the least amount of customer service. And so it's good to find a good mix. Somebody that offers reasonable pricing, but then offers good customer service uh, because you can't afford to mess these up. If there's a deadline and you miss it, you just lost out on an investment. You want somebody that's going to be active and helping you along the way. Cool. And thanks for sharing that. That is really helpful for listeners. And like who qualifies to invest using self-directed IRS, Chris? 
That's a good question. If we're talking about an IRA, uh, really anybody with a social security number is eligible uh, to go ahead and use that type of an account. Uh, where there is a little a bit more qualification is when we're talking about the 401k or the solo 401k. That uh, requires somebody to have a business entity and I think I mentioned earlier that business entity, it doesn't matter what kind of an entity it is. It just does need to be in place and it does need to be an active business. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can run out and file your, your business with whatever state you happen to be in. Uh, you can get an EIN number and have, you know, your legal documents. But if there's no active underlying business, like you just have a business in name only, that doesn't qualify for the 401k. Uh, so I think your listeners need to know it needs to be an active business. There needs to be ongoing business activity, a legitimate business. But if you do have a legitimate business, then you can qualify uh, for that solo 401k. Cool. So I think you mentioned we can invest uh, in apartment syndication using self-directed IRA. So how that works, Chris? Yeah, that's a great question. So usually when somebody's using a retirement plan to invest in an apartment syndication, what we notice is that most of the time there's a partnership form and the IRA or the solo 401k is going to be a limited partner. So that means they own a small piece of the business usually, because uh, usually these are, you know, multi-million dollar deals. Uh, so they may own two or three percent of that apartment building. But once again, once the account is open and funded, there's basically two sets of paperwork that are important. One set of paperwork would actually come from somebody like you, Rama. And so you have your investment paperwork. A lot of times it's a subscription agreement or it might be a private placement memorandum. And in order to invest, especially when we're talking about IRAs, we will want to see the paperwork. And the, the main reason we want to see the paperwork is that we want to make sure the investment is titled in the name of the IRA. So remember, it's your IRA that's investing and not you personally as an individual. And so we want to make sure that it, those forms are filled out correctly because we want to make sure that you get the tax benefits of a retirement plan. And then we will have some forms that we would have the client fill out as well. So obviously we can't send money anywhere unless the client tells us or gives us instructions. So we have paperwork that basically tells us which investment they're investing in, how much they want to invest, how they want the money sent, and they give us the details of the investment. Uh, but that's pretty much it when it comes to investing in apartment syndication. And the, the one thing I will mention, Rama, is that all of these retirement plans uh, can have checkbook control. So whether it's an IRA or that solo 401k, uh, somebody can have checkbook control. And in that situation, we really aren't looking at that paperwork, like I mentioned earlier. In that situation, the individual can go ahead and invest directly uh, with somebody like you. And they literally can write a check or send a wire themselves. It's just important that they title everything correctly. And we're, of course, there to answer any questions when it comes to how to correctly title uh, that investment. But hopefully that answers that question for you. Yes, absolutely. So any restrictions or limitations with apartment investing using self-directed IRAs? Yeah, that's another good question. So there can be some limitations and some restrictions. And most of the time it involves who is involved in the investment. So if you don't mind, Rama, can I use you as an example? Yeah, sure. Okay. 
So let's say, Rama, that you have, uh, you found an apartment deal and you've decided to be the general partner. Uh, you're the one putting the deal together. And so by you being the general partner, that means there are certain people who cannot invest their retirement funds with you. They're known as disqualified persons. So for example, I don't know if you're married or if you have children, but if your spouse or your children wanted to invest their retirement funds, they would not be able to because they are what are what is known as a disqualified person. Your parents, unfortunately, could not invest with you either. So there are some restrictions related to who can invest in the deal. And here's the other bummer, Rama, is that if you're the general partner of this apartment investment. Unfortunately, that means you cannot invest your own retirement funds. And the reason why is you're the general partner. Uh, you could invest in somebody else's in, uh, apartment investment, but unfortunately you couldn't invest in your own deal, so to speak. Uh, so those are the primary restrictions. And those are things that we wanna consult with the clients to make sure that, that there is no uh, relationship there that might cause problems with the IRS. Yeah, those are great points. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. So would you share any best practices with self-directed IRS? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that question. And and here's the reason why. For the most part, uh, people are not aware that self-directed IRAs exist. And so it's not surprising that when they want to open up a self-directed IRA, they don't even know or understand that they have options as far as what kind of account to open. And so you started the podcast today asking a great question. You said, well, what's the difference between a self-directed IRA and a solo 401k? So it's a great job getting that information out there. That would be the first thing I would tell any of your listeners wanting to open up an account like this is make sure you open the right kind of account. Uh, so if somebody calls me, I want to know what they're investing in. I want to know what their goals are because I want to fit them with the best type of retirement account. So if I know Rama, they're investing with you and I know that they might be subject to UBIT, I want to encourage them to look at a 401k so they don't have to worry about the UBIT. So that would be a best practice is let's make sure you're in the right type of account to begin with. And then the next, I would call it best practice is uh, just don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, the worst thing somebody can do is to not ask questions and get involved in an investment and not understand how the correct titling needs to be, not asking questions regarding, you know, who a disqualified person might be. So there's no such thing as a dumb question. And so I always encourage people that if they do not understand something to please ask questions. I think sometimes people are intimidated or they, they feel like they might seem stupid for asking a question, but that's certainly not the case. It's it's better to get a good answer in the beginning as opposed to finding out from the IRS you did something wrong. And so please, please, please ask questions. Make sure you're doing things correctly. Yeah, those are again great points, Chris. Thanks again. Thanks for sharing. So and what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Chris? Yeah, you know, this will almost sound counterintuitive. And, you know, I would say anytime there are disruptions in the economy, there are going to be opportunities. And so I think as we all watch the news and we see a lot of negative information about COVID and about people not having jobs and things like that, I think smart investors understand that there are opportunities that are created. And sometimes these opportunities can be win-win. You know, you can help people with 
uh, tough or difficult situations. And so what I'm excited about is the fact that, you know, we've had this economy that's gone on very, very strong for coming up on 12 years. And now we finally hit a little disruption, a little bump in the road. And I think it's going to create some opportunity. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know when it's going to be full force and how that all happens. But if you're thinking about real estate, you're thinking about possibility of people in distress situations, then you're on the right path. Because I think there are going to be some great opportunities. Uh, and I look back to 2008 uh, when real estate crashed and people who bought in 2008 uh, have done, for the most part, very, very, very well. And I'm not saying we're going to have another 2008, uh, but sometimes tough economic times create some of the best opportunities for investments. Yeah, totally agree. So any one advice that impacted you, Chris? Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad you're asking the question here on a podcast because, you know, when I started investing in real estate and doing some of the th things, you know, back in 2006, the amount of information that was available is nothing like it is today. And so the advice that I was given was find a mentor or find somebody that you would deem to be smarter than you that's doing what you want to do and does it well. And that person is going to have the ability to save you a lot of headaches and a lot of tough learning uh, because a lot of, especially with real estate investing, a lot of what you learn is just through doing it. And so if you are working with somebody or learning from somebody that's already done it, who's already put together deals, had good deals, bad deals, you know, whatever, they're going to be a wealth of information. And so the best advice uh, that, you know, I would share that I received was, you know, find that person who's kind of been there and done that, that can help show you the way. Yes. Awesome advice. So any of your personal habits that helping you to be successful? You know, I would say the number one biggest thing is that you have to be consistent. And one of the things I've learned is I'm a father, I'm a husband, I have four children, is that we all get busy. You know, we may have work, uh, we may have kids and sports, you know, we may be caring uh, for an older mom or a dad, but we all have these things that make us busy. And if you can find a way to be consistent in your investing, and what I mean by that is try to do something every day, even if it's only five, 10 minutes, that's going to make you better. Uh, maybe it's listening to a podcast, maybe it's reading a book, maybe it's attending a meeting, whatever it is, just have enough push and drive to stay focused, to just be consistent. What I've seen with a lot of folks is that they get excited. They learn about maybe apartment investing. And in the initial excitement phase, they're, they're working hard. They're going th you know, through a lot of growth and maybe they run into some roadblocks and those roadblocks, unfortunately, cause them to slow down or even stop. And so have a long-term drive or push to just be consistent and keep plugging away every day whenever possible. Cool. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? If you don't mind, Rama, I'm going to mention two. <laughs> yeah. The first book, and I read this a long, long, long time ago, and in, in really the early 2000s was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I think a lot of people have read it. A lot of people know about Mr. Kiyosaki. What the book did for me is it opened up the whole concept and idea of there's this whole other way of making money that might very well be smarter 
and faster than just working a job. And just turning that light bulb on was very important for me. There's one other book that it's been around for a long time and it was recommended to me and it is called Invest in Debt. And the book Invest in Debt was written by Jimmy Napier. Uh, Jimmy Napier, unfortunately, passed away this year, but it's a little book that if you have any interest in lending your money out or being a private lender, for example, it just does an amazing job of explaining how powerful uh, basically being the bank can be and some of the advantages of doing that. And so in my personal investing career, I've done more and more lending of money as a result of reading that book and understanding the principles behind why you would consider doing that. But that would be a book I would recommend. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. So how are you giving back to community, Chris? That's a great question. I am a person of faith. And so a lot of what I do actually happens through my church. So for example, we have a program uh, where I live called Habitat for Humanity, uh, where we help people build homes. We just have a lot of different projects like that. So for example, we recently helped uh, write a grant proposal uh, for a mental health first aid, which is very timely in COVID-19, we're basically brought an instructor in. If you were to ever encounter somebody that's in a mental health crisis, you would have some uh, tools and ways to get them help, but you're not going to help them yourself. But I guess the idea is, is that through my church, I actually do a lot of giving back in those ways of giving time. And in addition to uh, giving finances and trying to help those that are less fortunate than us. Awesome. So how can listeners can connect with you, Chris? So there are a few ways that somebody can uh, learn more about self-directed IRAs. They can obviously visit our website. Uh, So if somebody were to Google New Direction Trust Company, uh, you would find us. But our web address is going to be www.ndtco.com. So that's just the initials of the company. So N like new, D like direction, T like trust, and co.com. If somebody wants to reach me directly, they can reach me by phone at 877-742-1270. And my direct extension is 238. And I can also be reached by email. And my email address is C Tanner. So it's going to be C-T-A-N-N-E-R at N-D-T-C-O.com. Once again, the N-D-T-C-O is the initials of the company, New Direction Trust Company. So any of those ways works. Cool. Thank you, Chris. I really enjoyed the conversation and a lot of great information. You are most welcome. I appreciate you having me on and I hope uh, you have tremendous success with your apartment investing. Thank you, Chris. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, Please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.